Good morning. Welcome to Catalyst Christian Church. My name is Dave. Uh, it is so good to be back here from uh, a week uh, spent teaching. Uh, I, I was teaching marriage and family stuff at a camp up in the Upper Peninsula in Michigan. So if I call everybody hoser and say A after everything, you know why. Um, they did think it was funny that I would say y'all. I, I, I don't really think that's funny at all. I, I, I really don't. But they, uh, they, they found that quite humorous and uh, everything. Great time. Um, when we were up there, it was for a family camp. It wasn't like that down here. The only camps I've been to are the kind that you, you drop your kids off. Your kids go to camp. I, I deemed high school camp uh, for four years when I was a youth minister. I, I served at junior high camp, but it was just junior hires in high school. These, this was the entire family. There, was, uh, there were parents. There were uh, uh, college students. High schoolers, junior highers, uh, or middle schoolers, uh, elementary school, little babies. There was one family there that had four generations, great-grandparents, grandparents, parents, and, the, and, and babies. Um, and they had grown up going there. Um, it was an entire family. They had family worship in the morning, family stuff in the afternoon, family worship in the evening. And, uh, and, I, and I started talking with some of these families about why they were doing they were they were repeat people a lot of the a lot of the adults my age had gone there as a kid and and they had served there and they were bringing their kids back they had gone as families and they had you know everything it was an amazing thing and i began realizing that the the parents and the grandparents had set a culture in their homes that this is that 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 the lord is a priority and we are going to take a week out of our lives and it was a lot of fun. I mean, there's a, there's a high ropes course and a climbing wall, and you could kayak and paddleboard and canoe. You could, you could ski. You could play volleyball. All kinds of great stuff for families to do. It was awesome. But we're going to take a week, and we're going, to, uh, we're going to worship as a family. We're going to do this as a family because this is a priority to us. And uh, th- they've been doing this for 75 years, and the fruit of this is really amazing. The, there, there were a ton of college kids that were serving there, that, were, that had grown up there, and their parents had taken, taken them there. High schoolers and, and, and young adults and everything, they had continued because they had grown up in a culture where God was a priority. The family culture in the home, God was a priority. And the parents had communicated, the grandparents had communicated that, and generation and generation and generation. And I saw the fruit of that, and it was amazing that uh, that this topic that I'm speaking on today, I just literally lived for the last eight days. So it, was, it was incredible. But what I'm the, the whole purpose of today, we're talking about the worship-centered family. Now, the, the the year-long theme is God first. That's what we're talking about all year long. God first. Then this this uh, series is called the Worship-Centered Life. When we talked about um, th- this series, that worship is more than just singing. Now, I'm a musician. I'm a worship leader. I love I love the music part of worship, but that's not what worship is. Worship is acknowledging everything that God is through everything that we are. My best for his glory. Every time you make an honest decision, that's worship. Every time you forgive your enemies, that is worship. Every time you prioritize the word of God over something else, that is worship. And and so whatever, every decision you make, every breath, every word out of your mouth can be worship. 
And that's what the whole purpose of this series is. And we're talking about a worship-centered family. And the main thing today is, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That statement, very, very famous statement, comes from a leader named Joshua who had taken over after Moses. Uh, he led the nation of Israel into the promised land, conquered the promised land, was now current day, current day Israel. He, he conquered that and, and established the nation of Israel. And as he was basically, uh, as he was saying his farewell address, he said this in Joshua chapter 24, verse 14 through 15. He was addressing the nation. He said, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And I found four qualities of a worship-centered family in this passage. We're going to be there the whole time. So I would highly recommend highlighting that in your Bible. If you, if you use a, 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 a book, Bible, where you, where you turn pages, underline it. If you use version, uh, highlight it. Uh, you know, send it to yourself. Make, mark, that, mark that passage. Right? So the first quality of a worship-centered family okay, is this, that it fears the Lord. It fears the Lord. Now, it's interesting that that, that would be the first thing that Joshua tell, tells the nation of Israel. Now, fear the Lord. Are we supposed to fear the Lord? Absolutely. Yes, we are. The, see, in the Bible, fear of the Lord is always a positive thing. I want to I just kind of present a different vision for that. Um, the, the book of Proverbs says that fe- the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That, fe- that God-fearing uh, people were seen as good, as, as, as the kind of people you wanted to be. Fear of God is a good thing biblically, okay? That, that means that we, uh, we don't mess around. We don't take God's love for granted. We don't abuse his grace. When he says something, we take it seriously. That's what the fear of the Lord is. And realizing that he is so much more powerful, so much greater, so much, so much uh, beyond what we are, that, uh, that, that we actually fear him. The problem is, is that there's not a lot of fear. If we were honest with ourselves, there's not a lot of fear of God in our families. He uses his name as a swear word we use his uh his, his we, we look at what he tells us to do and we just ignore it um we uh I, I, we make decisions we ignore him his his bible that he's given us goes largely unread if we're honest with ourselves our prayer times are uh, are, are short kind of uh lord do this for me type of prayer like we're talking to a servant rather than the king of the universe there's not a lot of fear of God in churches today. Um, how, many, how many pastors truly preach on the fear of God? How many pastors, how many churches take the word of God and negate it? Don't preach it. Disregard it. Uh, say that it's not really real and, and they didn't really mean that, uh, this kind of thing, and take out whatever part of the Bible they don't like and kind of live by the parts they do. That's, that's, a, that's a very common thing today. There's not a lot of fear of God. But see, the Bible always says that that is the person God wants us to be. All right? Um, and so, so I, I want to ask you, is there fear of the, of the Lord in your family? Do you, do, you, do you have any fear? Do you have that healthy respect? Do you really look at God and say, uh, God, you know, I know what your word says here, but we're just not going to do that. We're going to kind of do things our own way. That is someone who does not fear the God, doesn't fear the Lord. 
And so the first thing that, that the worship center family does is you look at God and say, God, okay, you, you, you're, you're it. You're the king. You're, 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 you are uh, the, you're the master. We're the servants. Whatever you say goes. Oh, you want me to do this? Okay, I'll do that. You want me to uh, do Okay, well, I'll do that. Um, we, we will prioritize our time, prioritize our finances. We'll prioritize our love for each other. That, what your word says, that's what we'll do. That is what a worship-centered family does. They fear the Lord. The second thing that the worship that the worship-centered family does is that this refuses to repeat the mistakes of its ancestors. Look at verse 14, 15. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates refers to them again. All right? I kind of grew up with this notion, and I think a lot of you guys did too, that everybody before us did it better. Like when it, especially when it comes to faith, like, oh, things are just so awful right now. Oh, people back then, oh, they were so much more faithful than us. They were so much better. Oh, Granny went to, go, we went to church every, you know, twice on Sunday every time the doors were open. Y'all, does this sound familiar? Sound familiar? Well, basically what the Bible says is, well, not really. Okay, not really. Um, those who went before us didn't get it all right. Those who went before us were sinners just like us. And what, what, we're, what we're in danger of, I know this as a 48-year-old man who's in charge of my own, own family, and, and my children are, are establishing their own homes uh, very soon. One of my daughters is already married. Next one uh, is, gonna be, is a senior in college. She's going to be getting out on her own um, as we're sending children out of the nest, and they're, they're uh, establishing their own families. They're in danger of repeating the mistakes that I made, that I've made. And so uh, what, what Joshua says is, listen, your ancestors, they didn't get it all right. And it's time for us to stop following their wayward ways. There are certain things that have been handed down to you, nation of Israel, the mistakes that your ancestors made that you're repeating right now, and it's going to deliver you the same results that it got them. So we need to stop that. So I started thinking, the God, what are the gods, quote unquote gods, that our ancestors handed down to us? What are the things that still exist in your family that are not of God? I thought this, the first one, what about this? The, the, the gods of our ancestors are basically toxic family cycles that we are living in right now. We hated them as children, we detested them, but they're, but they're living in our families right now. And I, I apologize if this is tough to hear, but there's some, some family cycles that we need to break this morning because they're continuing to dominate our lives. Uh, I, I thought of this one, what about divorce? Is divorce running your family? Uh, you know, the children of divorce are more likely to get divorced themselves. Even though you grew up with all the pain, all the heartache, all, the, all the, the stress of living in two homes and seeing mom and dad fight and everything, even though you saw that, you're still more likely to get divorced yourself. Almost twice as likely. Well, it's time that we break that cycle today. You're going to say, I'm going to throw away that God that is still dominating my life, and I'm not going to live it anymore. I'm the last one in my family to live in that type of a situation. Throw away the gods, our ancestors worship, that dominated ourselves. How about addiction? Is addiction running in your family? Addiction, that's a genetic thing. There's a genetic component to it, and you have to be aware of that. But if you don't break that cycle, if you don't throw away that God, it will continue to dominate your life. Joshua is calling the nation of Israel, throw away that. We need to break it this morning. 
today, not tomorrow, not next month. We need to break it today because the Lord wants us to serve him in freedom. But if you are, if you are serving the God of divorce or addiction still dominating your family, you'll never be free. So if addiction runs in your family, you need to break that toxic family cycle today. Um, I thought about this one, fear and anxiety. Fearful parents, anxious parents raise fearful, anxious kids. Anxiety may run in your family. That may be a, a, a God that was handed down to you. You have a fearful parent that's afraid of everything and everything, and you are too, and your kids, if you have kids, are gonna be afraid of everything too. It's, it's, it's incredible to me. My problem isn't that everyone has anxiety. That's a natural thing. I mean, it's part of life. I get it. That's not my problem. My problem is this, is that so many people, particularly in American society today, allow it to dictate the, the actions of your family. Anxiety dictates literally your life. You go places or you don't go places because of your anxiety. You do this or you don't do this because of your anxiety. Literally, anxiety determines your day. Okay, that means it's your God. You center your family, You're not around God and his promises, but around your anxiety. You're allowed to determine your actions, your plans, your priorities, what you get to do, what you don't do, who you hang out with, and what you stay home from. It's the God of your family because it tells you what to do that day. And the, the, the language that surrounds anxiety today bothers me. Uh, it, it, people talk about anxiety like it's their pet, oh, my anxiety. It's like it's become part of your life. I'm not, I am not, please, please, do not, I'm not dissing people that have anxiety problems. I'm not that way. I'm not doing that. However, if you are allowing to dictate your life and you're building your life around it and it's stopping you from doing the things that you know what God wants you to do or if it's stopping you from doing the things that you know you would enjoy doing, that it means it is a God that has been handed down to you and you need to throw it away. There's nothing more popular in America than anxiety today. Like I said, people talk about it like it's their best friend or their child or, 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 or a pet. My anxiety, my anxiety. It's almost like we love it. And until we stop loving, until we get rid of it, continue, continue to dictate your life and the life of your family. You throw this away. Um, other God, unbelief. Not everybody grew up in a, in a faithful household. Not everybody uh, grew up with Christian parents or Christian grandparents. Not everyone did that. You have to break the cycle of unbelief in your family. You have to break that cycle. You have to throw away the God of unbelief so that no, no longer dictates the future of your family. And instead, uh, begin to fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness like Joshua says to do. Unbelief is a God. And there's another one. Success. You know, success can be a God. You center your life around it. You center your family around it. Your priorities, your goals, everything becomes about success. That is a God that has been handed down to us. That, 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 is, that is a God that, that our, our ancestors worshiped. And it's, there's nothing wrong with success. Some of my best friends are successful, okay? There's nothing wrong with that if it doesn't dictate your life, if it does not dictate your schedule, if it does not stop you from doing what God wants you to do. Nothing wrong with success as long as you're pursuing God's path, as long as you are living in the fear 
of God. These are gods that, 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 we, that we as Americans need to throw away. They're, they're gods that have been handed down to us. They're, they're, when I say gods, that does not mean a, a being equal to God. That means what gets our time, what gets our attention, what dictates the course of our families. Heartbreakingly, there are families that I know that are dictated by every single thing that I just named. Divorce, addiction, anxiety, unbelief, success. I'm sure that you guys could name others. Those are the ones that, those are the ones that were obvious to me. We need to get rid of those gods. Those are things that have been handed down to us. We've got to break those cycles right now. The third thing that a worship-centered family does is this, refuses to conform to the culture around it. Joshua 24, 15, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. So the, the nation of Israel was in this land and the Amorites uh, were, were a people, a pagan people that, that were living there. And the nation of Israel was beginning to get uh, influenced by the culture. They, they, they walked into the promised land fearing God, but they learned this and they learned this as they made friends, as they intermarried with the, uh, with the culture. They began to, to dilute and compromise their faithfulness to God, and he says this, or the gods of the Amorites in the land who you're living. So not only the, the ones that have been passed down to us by previous generations, the family cycles that are toxic and destroying us and dictating our lives today, but we have to make sure that we do not conform to the culture around us. The worship center family says, no, the, the, we, we live in a broken, sinful culture. Oh, by the way, do y'all know that? Do y'all know that? That we live in a broken, sinful culture, and if we, if we conform to a sick society, we're going to be sick. You know that, right? Okay? All right? So uh, I started thinking, what are, the, what are the gods of the culture around us? What are the influences that are pulling us away from devotion to God? Well, a few of these. This. How about sports? It's tough for me to talk about sports because I love sports so much. I played sports. I love sports. Anytime there's a ball, man, I'm there. It doesn't matter if it's volleyball, basketball, soccer, football, baseball, you name it, I will play it because I love it. So it's really tough for me to identify this God in my life. It's very difficult for me to, 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 to look at this influence in my life. Um, as a family, all, all of my kids are athletic. They're involved in youth sports. And we realized that sports got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all day Saturday, and Sunday, and I said, what are we doing here? Why are we doing this? And so we drew a line, we called all the coaches, we made this determination probably 15 years ago, 15, 16 years ago. Called coaches and said, hey, just letting you know, you can have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all day Saturday, and even Sunday afternoon, you're not getting Sunday morning. Sunday morning is our time when we go to church together as a family. If you schedule a game, whatever, we won't be there. We're putting that boundary. We're not allowing sports to have our Sunday mornings. And you know what happened? The coach said, all right, we'll schedule for Sunday afternoon. Is that okay? And that was it. I was expecting a huge fight. I was expecting a throwdown. I was expecting an argument, persecution. No. He said, all right. How about Sunday afternoon? I was like, that's fine. Sounds great. Click. All it took was one phone call, y'all. We don't have to roll over and play dead. We don't have to. Take a stand for your family. Don't conform to the culture around it. I cannot believe the number of people who grow up not going to church 
Not because they don't love the Lord, but because sports took them away. Sports. Second one is this, materialism. We live in a very, very materialistic society. It's only getting worse and worse and worse. And if we adopt the, the, the materialism of this culture, if we say that money is everything, that's, that, that, uh, that all, we, are, we are toast. So I want to talk to young people in here. I, I heard a, uh, a, a message by Tony Campolo. He's an old preacher. You probably don't know who he is. But he's really challenging. And he was speaking to a whole bunch of youth. And he goes, kids. Stay in school, they told you. Do well in school. Get good grades. Why? So you can, because if you get good grades, you can get into a good college. And if you get into a good college, that means you can get a good job. And a good job is one where you can make a lot of money. And a lot of money means you can buy a lot of stuff. True? You guys heard that, right? As a matter of fact, that's probably the goal of most people in here. He said this. He said, stop to think how unchristian that is. He said, you need to go to school. You need to do well in school. He said, but the purpose of an education is to allow you to serve at a high level of effectiveness in whatever God has put you on this earth to do. That was just, I mean, it, was, it hit me like a, like a bat in the face. I had never heard that before. And I was a, I was a father. I was a youth minister. I had never heard that before. And I, that, that just changed everything about me. That, that maybe the pursuit of money, maybe the pursuit of comfort is not what we're supposed to do. Maybe we're put on this earth for something else. Maybe we're put on this earth to, you know, we, we, we could take this track, we could make us a lot of money or a lot, and a lot of success, but what if God wants us over here? What do we do? Maybe we need some Christian young people to start walking away from the siren call of materialism and stuff and go after Eternal treasure. Eternal riches. That's what I would love to see. I don't particularly care if my kids make a lot of money or if they don't make a lot of money. I don't. What I want them to do is what God put them on this earth to do. And the worship-centered family would rather have children that come out of it that do what God wants them to do, pursuing that God-sized passion for you rather than who can go to the highest bidder. Nothing wrong with money. Money is just a tool. It's amoral. It's neither good nor bad. There's nothing wrong with it but going after it and prizing it and value it and measuring your worth by the amount of dollars in your bank account. That is making it into a God. The third God of this age, I guess, of this world, I'm just going to call it lukewarmness. Lukewarmness. The Bible describes lukewarm as not being either hot nor cold. Um, the, the lukewarmness is a, is a siren call. See, we are naturally lazy. Our default is not action. Our default is, is, uh, is lukewarmness. It's, it's the middle of the road. And the problem in the church today is not that people are lukewarm. That's not the problem, that people are lukewarm. The, 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 the problem is that the goal of the church is lukewarmness. That's the problem. It's not that people are lukewarm. I mean, there's sometimes I'm on fire for God. Sometimes I am just burnt out. Uh, a lot of times I, I can't stay on fire. I can't. Maybe you can. I can't. I do this. Okay? The problem isn't that we do this. The problem isn't that sometimes we're really on fire. Sometimes we're really cold. Sometimes we're lukewarm. That, that isn't the problem. The problem is, is that that's the goal. 
People look at life and say, well, you know, I got enough God. I got enough Jesus. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough success. I don't have a nice enough car. I don't have a big enough house. But I do have enough God. So my goal is lukewarmness. And that is a, that, that is a thing that we pass down to our children. That's the thing that we pass down to the next generations. Barring some miraculous work of grace, if you grew up in a Christian home, lukewarmness was passed down to you too. Barring some miraculous work of grace in your family. But that is the God of this, that, that is a God of this age. Most people I've found don't have a problem with you believing in God, right? Most people, they don't have a problem with that. What they have a problem with is if you actually serve God with your life, if you actually go for it. No one has a problem with a lukewarm Christian. I think Satan loves lukewarm Christians. I think I, Satan loves it for you to have just enough God to make yourself miserable. I, I think that's, that's exactly uh, what, what Satan wants. But guys, lukewarmness is a God we have to put away because God has not called us to that. I would imagine barring, barring some major work of grace in your life, you would describe yourself today as lukewarm. Not on fire, not falling off the wagon, it's kind of there. That's the way most people describe themselves. And, that, and when that is the goal of the family, that means we're, we, we need to put that, put that away. Other, next God, self-centeredness. Self-centeredness. People living around the, worship, uh, uh, the Israelites um, were, were, were very focused on self. It was not about surrendering my life to God. It, 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 was, about, it was about fulfilling me, about making me great. It was about doing whatever I want. Self-centeredness is a God of this age. And every, from every social media outlet, from every media outlet, from every advertiser uh, uh, saying, you deserve, you deserve, you deserve, Everything shouts, make yourself great, fulfill yourself, YOLO, you only live once, go do whatever you want, make your dreams come true, right? Self-centeredness. Self-centeredness is, a, is, the, is the cause of every conflict in the home between husband and wife. That's self-centeredness, me doing what I want, my wants, my needs, my desires are more important than yours, and so therefore I'm gonna go do that. From every argument on the playground to every major world war, self-centered selfishness causes every conflict. And that is, the pro, that, that is a God of this age that we have to put away. We have, to, we have to completely get rid of the God of self and start worshiping the God of the universe. John the Baptist said it best in John 3.30. He said, I, he must become greater, I must become less. That's the Christian life. He must become greater, I must become less. Less of me, less of me, less of me, more of him. That is, that, 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 that is the God of self-centeredness. So the people living around Israel worshiped a god named Baal, B-A-A-L, or is also known as Molech, all right? Now, remember, these people were such primitives, uneducated, unenlightened, I mean, Stone Age morons, honestly, okay? They were nowhere near as sophisticated as us, okay? Just remember that. They believed, these, these people, these Stone Age imbeciles, believed that by worshiping Baal, Molech, that he would send rain to grow their crops and, and that would provide them with economic success. And so Baal worship was made up of three things. The first thing was this. The people in front of these huge statues of Baal would bring their children and they would throw them into a bonfire 
and kill them. They would do child sacrifice. They thought that prospering economically was more, more desirable than raising children. Like I said, so unenlightened, not like us. Second thing, they engaged in heterosexual and homosexual prostitution. There were, there were temple prostitutes that you could go and during the worship service you could have sex. That was considered worship, Baal worship. And they thought that that would bring them success in life. The third part of Baal worship was that they worshiped the earth. They believed that the earth, they elevated earth to the status of a living being and they, uh, they worshiped the earth. So child sacrifice, rampant sex, and earth worship was Baal worship. Today they go by different names, same stuff. Now they go by the names abortion, the LGBTQ, uh, uh, sexual revolution, climate change, Earth, Mother Earth. Nothing's changed in 4,000 years, you all. Everybody thinks it's so new, it's so brand new, but the gods of our culture are the same gods of the Amorites, just by a different name. And God has called us to put it away, to not, not, not to follow the gods in whose land we are living. You can look it up. Baal, Molech worship, it's the same thing. There's nothing different. Everything that we are seeing today has been around since the beginning of time. Like I said, everybody thinks we're so new. Every culture, every generation thinks they're the ones with the new information, with the new, uh, with, with the new vision. They think that, ev that, that every generation thinks it's the first one to discover sin. And they're very, very disappointed when they arrive and they realize their ancestors were experts in it. That is what Baal worship was, and that's what the siren call of American culture to our people is today. We're called to put that away. The fourth thing that the worship-centered worship family does is this, is that it centers every part of family around God and his ways. Joshua 24, 15, after, saying, after telling the nation of Israel to put away the gods that have been handed down to you, for, after, uh, break those family cycles that have been handed down to you that are dictating your life, and put away the gods of the culture around you, the influence, they're trying to pull you away from God. Put, put away those. And he says this, choose for yourself this day. He goes, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I love what Joshua says here. Because he's employing the people, like I said, to turn from their idolatry. Turn from the family cycles passed down to them from ancestors, from the gods of whose land they're living. But he ends with this, I can't tell you what to do. Joshua says, this is, this is not, your house is not my job, it's not my responsibility. I can't, go, I can't go into your house and tell you what to do. I can't do that. I can implore you, I can beg you, I can, I can cry, I can implore you with, with tears in my eyes, please stop doing these things. But I can't do anything other than that. I can't impose. 
The only thing I can do, you all, and the only thing you can do as well, is look at your little square footage of the world, whatever your home is, whether it's a house, whether it's an apartment, whether you live in in a basement or in a room, all you can do is walk into that space and say, this right here is where I have the decision. This is where the only place that I can make the decisions, and as for me and this little spot of earth, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I can't control what happens in my neighbor's house. I can't control what happens across the street. I can't can't, uh, uh, affect what happens in other corners of the world. The only place I have authority is my home. And I'm standing right here to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He's really saying two things here. One, And I think the church and American society needs to hear this. He's looking and he's saying, your home is not my business. Now, in the church, we we, we are concerned with everyone. We pray for people, we support and everything, but we don't tell people what to do. We can hold accountable if if we have friendship and we're in that type of relationship. We can hold each other accountable, say, man, what you're doing is not of the Lord, but I'm not going to follow you around and make sure that you do it. Uh Uh-uh, it's not my job. The only house I can determine what goes on is mine. So right now, America, American Christians, American people, let's get our own houses in order first. There's so much activism trying to tell people what to do. Oh, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're saying this, you're doing... Stop it. Let's get our own homes in order. Let's make sure that our lives first, that our lives are right with God. Let's make sure that there's no unconfessed sin in our hearts. Let's make sure that there's no rebellious ways within us because if, until we take care of that, we cannot lead a home. The second thing is after our own lives are okay, then we, to our own home, let's get our own homes in order. That's what Joshua's saying here. So your home is not my business. And second, As a man, Joshua stands up and he says, I am gonna be the example in my family. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm not leaving my home to chance. I'm not gonna just float along with the crowd hoping that my kids turn out well, hoping that my house is is pleased the Lord. I'm not gonna just be passive. I'm not gonna sit there in my lazy boy and say, well, uh, good luck, kids. Hope you know Jesus. I'm not doing that. I'm actively setting the culture for my family. The Lord is our priority, and we will conduct ourselves in the fear of God, and we will structure everything around him. I don't care what this world says. That is not my business to tell tell it what to do. It is my business to lead my home as I see fit, as I see the Lord wants me to. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord God gets the first day of the week, the first say in every decision, the first uh, part of our morning, the first tenth of our income. Lord, whatever it is you say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I can't tell you what to do. I, 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 I don't know how other people are leading their homes. I don't. As for me and my house, it's going to be in order. Um, in a worship-centered family, his word determines how we speak to each other. His word is the final say in what is right and wrong. We will sing of his love forever. His grace will be the foundation of our home. We will parent out of grace. We will uh, will be married out of grace. If you're single, we will uh, will extend grace to the people uh, around us. 
uh, uh, we will love each other and forgive each other as the Lord has commanded us to do. We will live according to his word and his ways. We will center our home on the Holy Spirit and we will reap the blessing of the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentle self-control that the Holy Spirit brings. That's what it means to be a worship-centered family. As for me, in my house, we will serve the Lord because that's who we are. And I, as a father, taking the lead. I'm gonna be the example. I understand that my children will do what I do far more than what I say, Joshua is saying. Because as, as the father, I'm taking, I'm taking the lead in my house. He said, so I'm the first disciple in my home. When I fall down, when I mis- make a mistake, when I don't do things perfectly, I'm gonna be the first one on my knees asking forgiveness, then I'm gonna stand up in the power of the, of the Holy Spirit and continue to lead, do the best that I can. Because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You all, you can't get right with God until you get real with God, okay? You can't. You can't get right with God, yourself or your family, until you get real with God. So let's walk walk through this passage and drive this home. I want you to ask yourselves, every one of you has a home. You may be single. If If you're single, you still have a home. Let's ask this, let's, let's, let's walk through this and drive it home. Does my family fear God? Does it really? Is my home a place where God is feared? Are we faithful? I mean, really faithful. Second question, what gods do we need to throw away? And I say gods, what gods do we need to throw away? What things been handed down to us by our parents and our ancestors that we need to get rid of so they don't dictate us anymore? How have we compromised with the world and we're living according to what it wants us to do? What gods do we need to throw away? It's okay. You can be real with God. He already already knows. He knows probably even more than you. Maybe you still love those gods. Maybe part of you still really wants to keep the things the way they are. But God doesn't give us that option. He says, choose for yourselves this day. This day, not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, not when you feel like it, not when uh, things are, are, are better. No, this day, whom you will serve. So I have a question, Catholic Christian Church and those joining us online, who is ready to stand before God today and say, today, me, In my house, we will serve the Lord. We're putting it all away. We're throwing away everything that that is not of God that was handed to us by our parents and grandparents. We're we're throwing away everything that is not of God that this culture is calling us to. We are are going to stand in our little piece of earth. This is going to be the way God wants it to be. No more living this compromised, lukewarm, half-hearted compliance with the loudest voice in the room. Now we're gonna stay faithful. I would love to see every family represented here do that today. But that's between you and God. But I will stand before you today here and say to the best of my ability, I'm not just a pastor, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a son. One of these days I may be a grandfather. As for me, me, Dave Kibler, 
and my house, the Kibler family, to the best of my ability, we will serve the Lord. And I would love for you to make that same statement today. Here's a recommendation, you all. I don't know what your plans are today. Here's a recommendation. Why don't we all start saying, as for me and my house, why don't we just take a Sabbath day today? What's the number one issue in America right now? Isn't it stress? You know that the Lord commands you, demands of you that you take a day off. You know that, right? It's one of the Ten Commandments. Why don't you cancel your plans today? Why don't you just chill? Why don't you actually relax today? You know that that's honoring to God? You know that that's worship? Taking a Sabbath, honoring Sabbath? You know that's worship, right? Why don't you guys just do that today? I think that's what I'm gonna do today. I'm exhausted. I drove 12 hours yesterday, um, and we had a, an emergency in the evening. I didn't, I'm exhausted. I think I'm just gonna take a Sabbath today. I'm gonna rest, because that's what God wants us to do. Why don't you guys enjoy a day for a change? Spend it with your family if you want. Watch a movie, chill out, take a nap. Go ride your motorcycle if you want. I don't know, I don't know. Go enjoy your Sabbath. You know that that is actually part of God's plan for you. Remember, God tells us to take a day of rest. Taking a day of rest with the family is honoring to God. So why don't you guys go do that? Why don't you start today by doing that? Take a Sabbath. See ya. God bless. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See you next week, y'all. Bye-bye.